Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm pleased to welcome uh, to our White House team a world-renowned global health official and a physician. She will be my right arm through this effort, and I'm grateful that Ambassador Deborah Burks, also Dr. Deborah Burks, will be on our team. In March of 2020, then-Vice President Mike Pence welcomed Dr. Deborah Burks as the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. For decades, Dr. Burks had worked in public service as a renowned scientist and most recently as Global AIDS Ambassador, but she had little experience working inside the White House. It was Dr. Burks who famously sat dumbfounded next to then-President Donald Trump in a press conference as he raised the possibility of injecting disinfectant as a treatment for the coronavirus. Her data-driven approach to the pandemic provided a critical voice in the Trump administration, but she also faced resistance and criticism from both sides of the aisle. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi back in August. I don't have confidence in anyone who stands there while the president says uh, swallow Lysol and it's going to cure your Mm. virus. I think that, that she has enabled. Around that same time, it was the New York Times that reported Dr. Burks had painted an overly optimistic view of the pandemic. Dr. Burks responded to both accusations on CNN soon after that. I have tremendous respect for the speaker. It was unfortunate that New York Times wrote this article without speaking to me. I have never been called Pollyannish or non-scientific or non-data-driven. And I will stake my 40-year career on those fundamental principles of utilizing data to really implement better programs to save more lives. In medicine, it is the autopsy that allows us to look back at what went wrong. And while it can do nothing to bring back the patient, it can help us identify our mistakes. Over the weekend, CNN aired a documentary I made called COVID War, The Pandemic Doctors Speak Out. As part of that, I sat down with Dr. Burks for a metaphorical autopsy, a look at what went on behind the scenes in Trump's White House and the lessons that can help us to avoid preventable deaths in the future. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus fiction. First of all, how are you doing? How is life for you now? You know, it's still, I'm still trying to process everything that happened and still trying to understand. I'm very self-reflective on what could I have done better? What could the states done better? What could the federal government could have done better? What could the White House have done better? Because I don't ever want us to make the same mistakes. And so I really want to get to the place where I can really separate myself and look at the data objectively. You are an infectious disease doctor, global ambassador for AIDS. You have said that there have been a lot of similarities between at least the beginning days of HIV and the beginning days of this COVID pandemic. 
What, what did you mean by that? What are these similarities? What was missed at the beginning? I think by thinking about it as flu and wanting to put it in that category, and I think many people in the United States don't understand, we don't really diagnose flu. We treat flu by the symptoms during the flu season. I think there was a feeling that we could do this with COVID. But my feeling was looking at the curves from even Wuhan. I mean, you don't go from not seeing it in the community to your hospitals overwhelmed unless you have a large silent spreading piece, um, which is what I think early on we lost the battle with HIV and why it became so pervasive as a global pandemic. We didn't recognize it during that asymptomatic phase. Without proactive testing, by the time you have your first hospitalization, you have just an avalanche of cases that will continue to spread the virus and continue to have hospitalizations. You have to say, if you're a county worker, you have to be regularly tested. If you work in a hair salon, you have to be regularly tested. Not because we believe that they were huge risks to the clientele, but because they were in the public, we would, they were almost our sentinel surveillance people mm -hmm. who would, we could see the virus earlier. Why didn't we do that? We could have been doing that here. It seemed like it was never emphasized. And it just, it boggles my mind because there were lessons learned, as you point out, from HIV. It makes sense to test people even if they don't have symptoms. Why didn't we do that? Testing was this flashpoint. People really believed in the White House that testing was driving cases rather than testing is a way for us to stop cases. And I think it, I could never get anyone over that hump. It's part of the reason why I went out to the States, because governors were much more willing to try new things. And governors, governors understood that they were seeing it late. And so there was this there was this dichotomy there between what you were allowed to say nationally and access that you had and what you were allowed to do at the state level. You're flying from Africa to the States. You're going to take the job. If you knew anything about this, this White House that you're about to join, they kind of had an anti-science or at least not a significant science-supported um, you know, uh, reputation. H how did you plan on dealing with that? You know, I've dealt with presidents and prime ministers around the globe um, who will often have misperceptions about diseases um, and the community that that disease impacts. But I've always found that if you can find that common ground with the information and data, they will change policies. Not as quick as I'd want them to be changed, but usually they can get there. So I think on one hand, I thought that I could find the right graphic to convince them about what this disease was and how devastating it would be. And it's part of the reason why I did say at one time the president looked at the data and understood the data because he wouldn't have shut down the country for 15 days and then another 30. But that never really happened again because there were too many parallel streams of data. What, what is that like? 
the pushback. You're working in the White House. You, you have an office there. I can tell just by reading your face, that was a really tough time. What, what happened? What was going on? What did you experience? Well, I got called by the president. And that was happening to Dr. Redfield and Dr. Hahn also. But they had better access to national press, and so I wanted to make sure that they had everything that I had um, because I wanted to take advantage of messaging at any possible time so that it could get to the American people. But I have to say at the same time, the White House comms individuals were facilitating my ability to do that regionally, but I couldn't do any national press. And then they would send them on the road with me to facilitate interactions with the press after our meeting with communities and meeting with hospitals where we could be very frank. Mm -hmm. So I never want to give the impression that there weren't people in the White House that were facilitating information getting to the American people because there were. It just never, on my, in my perspective, my understanding is I could not be national because the president might see it. I'm not trying to, to get at the political drama here, but I think the idea that people may have been muzzled when you're in the middle of the biggest public health crisis of our lifetime is really concerning. The president calls you. What does he say? He felt very strongly that I misrepresented the pandemic in the United States, that I made it out to be much worse than it is. Throughout the White House, there was a sense that I could not have access to national media. Now, I had no idea that people were requesting me ever until about November when someone wrote me directly and said, we have asked for you for weeks. And I was like, what? When you look at your data now and you think, okay, had we mitigated earlier, had we actually paused earlier and actually done it, how much of an impact do you think that would have made? Well, I look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse, we didn't, I mean, March, you know, we really, yes, some of us could see it coming and the impact, but it wasn't here in that tangible way. But there were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially mm. if we took the lessons we had learned from that moment and ensured we utilized them city by city, county by county, state by state. If we are confronted with this sort of situation again in this country in the years to come with regard to messaging, is, is there a lesson learned here? Because, like you said, you can look at data. Some of this data is complicated. Look at it, interpret it differently, even the same exact data. What is the, for you, what is the lesson learned here then? I think we have to figure this out. I think messaging and public health messaging is just as much of a science as um, epidemiology, molecular epidemiology, and vaccine development. 
And we have to, as public health individuals, learn how to be better at our craft. We need to be better marketers of our message. Now, that does not take away from the fact that the federal government did not provide consistent messaging to the American people. And that is fault number one. But all of us as public health practitioners need to also look at ourselves and say, how do I learn how to be more effective in how I communicate? I have learned so much from being out in America. We, we do have some deep divisions. And I think really figuring out how to navigate that is really in the hands of this current administration. And we're asking a very big task of them. We're asking them to bring us together in a new way that not only transcends social justice, infectious diseases, and how we relate to one another, but how we become kind again. Dr. Burks announced in December that unlike her longtime mentor, Dr. Fauci, she would be stepping away from public service after helping with the Biden transition. But Dr. Burks's unique perspective into the way this virus was handled is still a critical part of this autopsy. Her insights into public messaging, data, and denial in the White House can still help save lives and avoid some of these problems in the future. For tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to continue this metaphorical autopsy in a conversation with former CDC director, Dr. Robert Redfield. And if you want to check out the full documentary, search COVID War on the CNN Go app or On Demand. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.